Welcome, everyone, and thank you for taking the time to join us here on the quarterly investor call for Night Food Holdings, Inc., ticker symbol NGTF. Before we welcome the CEO to the show, Sean Folks, and I am going to read you the forward-looking statements, but I do want to point out these forward-looking statements are available to you at the bottom of every press release and every filing that the company makes. So you do not need to hear them just here. You can find them anywhere the company makes its information available. This current interview may contain forward-looking statements. As that term is defined in Section 27A of the United States Security Act of 1933 and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, statements in this investor call, which are not purely historical, are forward-looking statements and include any statements regarding beliefs, plans, expectations, or intentions regarding the future, including, but not limited to, any products sold or cash flow from operations. Actual results could differ from those projected in any forward-looking statements due to numerous factors. Such factors include, among other things, the inherent uncertainties associated with distribution and associated difficulties with obtaining financing on acceptable terms. These forward-looking statements are made as of the date of this call, which is June 3rd, 2020, and the company assumes no obligation to update the forward-looking statements or to update the reasons why actual results could differ from those projected in the forward-looking statements. Once again, just using that ticker symbol, listeners, NGTF, you can find at the bottom of any press release the entire forward-looking statement. All right, with that said, let's welcome CEO Sean Folkson to the call. Sean, thank you for taking time to call in. The call is yours for your opening remarks. Well, thanks, Stuart. I'm happy to be here as always. The last few months and uh, the last few days, uh, really unlike anything anybody could have predicted. And um, But from a business standpoint, I want to let everybody know uh, that things you know, have begun to return to, you know, the way they were before the virus. I hesitate to call anything normal. Um, but, uh, and so, you know, things have been returning to that state, you know, closer to normal also with our supermarket partners. Um, we did experience some virus-related delays in getting product on shelf in some of the uh, supermarkets that we were rolling into. And also, I think we made mention of this in our um, recent uh, quarterly filing, but our first major in-store promotion, those in-store coupon machines, uh, those were delayed about eight weeks, but that campaign has now started, and it's, uh, it's running. We're up in, I think, all of the Shaw's, all of the Lowe's Foods, and all of the Harris Teeters, and we're going to be going up in the Jewel stores in a couple of weeks. And um, uh, those will be running in to uh, mid-July in most of the stores, and some of the stores running into mid-August. Uh, and I think we're going to find a lot of new customers in the coming weeks and months with the uh, the in store uh, coupon machines, uh, other initiatives, the pregnancy initiative in particular. Um, we'll be hearing a little bit about, and um, I know what everybody wants to hear probably at this point is our newest uh, supermarket partner. We mentioned in a news release that the supermarket category managers have been more responsive uh, than ever, really, since we've announced that we are the official ice cream of the American Pregnancy Association. Uh, and I think that was a big factor in landing. Well, I know it was a big factor in landing. Some of the new chains uh, that we announced the other day are expected to come on board here in the next few weeks. So two of those groups have given us verbal commitments, and we've started paperwork. Um, the other, uh, we received our first order last month, and product 
started hitting shelves uh, uh, this week. And I'm very proud to announce that our newest supermarket chain is the upscale Rouse's Market, uh, with 64 stores in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi. Uh, you can go online and look. So many of their stores, beautiful stores, newly remodeled. Uh, actually, you know, those that are not just flat out brand new, loaded with the latest and greatest products, and we're happy to be there. Uh, Rouse's was named uh, the 2018 Southeast Retailer of the Year by the Shelby Report and was named by Epicurious as the best grocery store in America in 2016. So it's a great chain. Uh, they have a major presence throughout the Gulf Coast, and they're also the official supermarket of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they're starting with four flavors, uh, cold brew decaf, after-dinner mint chip, midnight chocolate, and, of course, our top seller, uh, Cookies and Dreams. And this is the first account that's uh, been secured by the broker that we hired a few months back. They're handling much of the western half of the country. I guess this is the easternmost uh, that they would be doing for us. And uh, they also have us deep into paperwork with another fantastic account that we're super excited about. Uh, you know, if not for the virus, I think these two chains would have come on much faster. And I uh, do expect that our broker in New York City uh, will have similar success to uh, our broker in New York City being Omni Foods. Our broker out west is uh, independent natural food brokers. I expect our broker in New York to have similar success, hopefully faster, again, now that the business cycle is a little bit more normal. So uh, velocities are up. Word of mouth is up. I can't wait to get things kicked off with Rouse's and the other new markets that we're entering. So I'm excited, Stuart. Let's get to the questions. Well, yeah, it sounds like a great time to be talking to you, and I want to thank your shareholders once again for sending in the question. So let's get right to that first question. It comes from I. Gomez, that's just the first initial I, who's asking, why is the company marketing towards pregnant women only and not the general snacking population? Yeah, thanks, Stuart. So uh, we get versions of this question, a lot of different versions lately. Uh, so I do want to point out first, before I answer the real question, we are still marketing to the mainstream snacker um, as well as to the expected moms because obviously our long-term goal and our brand you know, destiny, what I call our brand destiny, is to be the leader in this projected multi-billion dollar night food category. That is the stuff that people snack on between dinner and bed. So we see night food ice cream, night food popcorn, night food chips, night food cookies, candy, everything night food. And there's no debate over the fact that Americans spend a fortune on snacks consumed at night, right? It's a billion dollars a week or more, depending on the data source that you're looking at. And, and there's also no debate that most people would prefer better sleep. And there's also no debate that the most popular choices at night that people are eating tend to be unhealthy and sleep disruptive. So we do have the makings here for a multi-billion dollar category. And when you're launching something new, uh, especially into such a huge, huge market, you know, over 200 million Americans snacking regularly, between dinner and bed, you can't just target everybody because then you're actually not targeting anybody. Um, and most importantly, as a small emerging brand, that's not how you can win. You can't gain traction. But, you know, the number of people snacking is so big and it's made up of all these different groups, you, you can't just try to shotgun and market to everybody. So, you know, fortunately for us, night food is a better choice for this massive group of highly motivated, high-consumption highly connected consumers, those, of course, being the pregnant moms. So our endorsement by the American Pregnancy Association, you know, marketing partnerships with Lamaze International, with Ovia Health, with Dr. Berlin and the Informed Pregnancy Podcast, these are all testaments to the fact that we've got a great product that really fits in the pregnancy lifestyle. 
And so, you know, like RX Bar did when they launched and targeted only CrossFit gyms and CrossFit consumers, and a few years later they sold to Kellogg's for $650 million, uh, you know, we're following that game plan and starting with a subgroup, uh, a subgroup that, that is motivated, uh, that is connected, and that is high consumption. You start with them, you become an indispensable part of that subculture, and you go from there. So the pregnancy market is, is way bigger than I ever really would have thought when I started to do the research and think about the scope of these numbers. So on any given day, any given time in the U.S., you've got 3 million pregnant women. Again, there's as many pregnant women as there are keto women, as many pregnant women as there are vegan women, and, of course, many of them are avid ice cream consumers. And uh, Night Food as a brand and as an ice cream, we're not restricted to pregnant women. Pregnancy is simply the window of their lives during which we're going to enter their awareness, enter their lives uh, of these consumers and their growing households because, again, every year, at any given point, it's 3 million women, but it's a nine-month process, so there's 4 million women going through this every year. And it's not just 4 million consumers, it's 4 million households, right? I can tell you personally, when my wife was pregnant and having ice cream, I was also having ice cream. And there were plenty of nights where we were eating night food bars, but to be honest, there were also plenty of nights where we were eating talenti. So we know ice cream is the number one pregnancy craving, 4 million households a year, pregnant mom in the household driving most of the grocery decisions. So if you're a pregnant mom and you're already eating ice cream and you learn that there's one ice cream that's now approved by the American Pregnancy Association because it's got a healthier profile for you and your baby and it's available in your town, maybe it's available in your store, what are the odds that you're going to try it? Are we going to be able to drive trial with those people? And, and what we're seeing is that our ability to drive trial is, is really good in that market, a lot easier than the average consumer. And again, as a pregnant mom, if you like the ice cream, what are the odds that you will continue to purchase it, right? And that's what we're seeing. What are the odds that you'll uh, communicate to maybe your one or two or three pregnant friends? What are the odds that you'll go on to uh, uh, the discussion board that you participate in or a Facebook group and mention it there? So we know that this is what's happening, and the keys to building a brand is, you know, efficiently driving trial, driving repeat purchase, and driving word of mouth, and there's simply no more efficient way for us to do that um, than through the pregnancy market right now. And, you know, if we see these pregnant women through their pregnancy and this is their brand of choice, there's no reason for them to switch back once the baby comes home from the hospital and life is starting to get back, um, you know, to normal. There's no reason for them to go back to Halo Top or Ben & Jerry's. Uh, we were with them. So, um, you know, there's pregnant moms discovering night food today that will still be night food consumers you know, hopefully years from now when their baby is walking or talking or, or going into kindergarten. So, you know, that endorsement from the American Pregnancy Association, it tells these women that are passing through this, I don't know if you call it a phase or stage, I guess it's better, past this stage in their life that this is the ice cream they should be eating. This is the ice cream that is great for them, that, that for their husbands, their, their partners, their kids. And so that's the long answer is that this is a stage where we will be introduced to millions of new consumers. It's not a pregnancy ice cream per se. It's the stage that we're being introduced. So that's the long answer. And the short answer is simply that this is the shortest and quickest path to national distribution and to our ability to start entering those additional snack formats I mentioned as we pioneer, again, this multi-billion dollar night food category that we see coming. All right. Well, next question comes from Kalev 
T who says, there's been a lot of great news from your end, but nothing moves the stock. Please explain what the potential catalyst could or would be for moving the stock. Well, this sounds like somebody that uh, has not been a shareholder <laughs> for, for a very long time. I mean, we've, we've certainly had some things move the stock um, in the past, up uh, and down. Um, but obviously, look, we're, we're looking to build a brand of tremendous value. That's what we're working on, and, and that will be reflected in the valuation of the company, assuming we're able to successfully do that. And I, I know that's not what's being asked, but it is important to remember the massive upside of what we're doing here with regard to this $50 billion that consumers are spending each year on nighttime snacks. So obviously, you know, I, sh I guess I should make the disclaimer that I'm not going to speculate on what the market is going to do in the short term as it relates to our share price. Um, and the other thing to point out, though, at the same time, is that when we announced the American Pregnancy Association endorsement back in February, you know, I think there were many people out there that immediately understood what that would mean for us as an ice cream brand to be the official ice cream of pregnancy. Um, but that news was followed almost immediately by the virus-related shutdowns and the overall market crash because the announcement came uh, the last week in February. And I think, uh, I think for a couple of days, we saw uh, the stock at a very different level. So, you know, looking forward, uh, we've got more supermarket and more distribution announcements to come. I believe we'll be seeing something in New York fairly soon, plus uh, other major cities that are already, uh, like I said, we're moving forward with. Uh, remember, we're in, we're in almost four times as many stores as we were at this time last year, and there's more coming, more markets, more consumers. Why the stock goes up or down on any given day, it's not something I'm going to speculate about, but if we keep growing the business, growing the customer base, growing the awareness, to me, those are the catalysts that I'm focused on. And, and there are several things in the works, behind the scenes things that are not, uh, you know, it's even too early to speculate on publicly that might qualify, I think, is what, what the... Uh, uh, the shareholders asking about as a catalyst, um, but it's too early to speculate on those. And, and we're, we're just grinding away here and growing the brand and working on our national distribution. We think it's going to be a huge success. All right. Very good. Sean, Chris M. asked about doing night food vending machines in businesses and hotels. Also, Carl C. asked about the hotel and college campus initiatives. Yeah, so obviously the virus um, has all of those plans on pause. Uh, we, we have looked at vending machines in, uh, in college campuses in particular. Obviously, we were in uh, some hotels and college campuses before everything pretty much shut down. Um, you know, we're not really pursuing those things at this time. Um, you know, it requires a lot of time and a lot of manpower. And in order to devote those resources, we need to believe that the, the payoff is big enough in the short term because... Uh, we've got to pick our uh, our path here. So travel is way down. Schools are shut. Who knows what's going to be in September? Lionel Binney, who is working with us on those initiatives, is no longer actively working with us with the virus. So we're just going to see how things play out in those areas while we build the core supermarket business. Obviously, I still believe there's a fantastic future there in in hotels in particular. That has not changed. You know, my my vision of what's possible there has not changed. It's just we need to see what. Uh, and how long it will be until things get back to, again, I hate to use the word normal, but that's, I think that's the right word. Very good. In response to recent uh, to the recent announcement that Night Food has over 5,000 shareholders, Matthew Z wanted to know how many shareholders there were when he first invested back in 2018. So, yeah, um, I thought that was a really interesting question uh, that was passed up to me, but 
You know, unfortunately, we don't have any way to know that. The, uh, the 5,000 number, we got that report. It's, it's what's called a NOBO list uh, from, from um, a company called Broadridge. I think they do all this kind of reporting for uh, public companies. And uh, we got that back in February. NOBO, what that means is non-objecting beneficial owners, meaning these are shareholders that one way or another indicated that they were okay with us knowing who they were, knowing their name and their address. And uh, so, so in addition to the 5,000-plus people on the NOBO list, there might have been some uh, what's called an objecting beneficial owner. They would not appear on the list. We would not know who they are. Um, so it's pretty reasonable to think that we're well over 5,000 by now, first of all, uh, adding in any objecting beneficial owners. But more importantly, four months has passed, and it's been a period of time where we've had a tremendous amount of uh, media um, and uh, distribution advancement. So pretty safe to say we're probably well over 5,000 uh, by now uh, when you factor those things in. But we don't have a way. Those reports are done basically as of that moment in time. So the report we got was early February. It was at that moment. We don't have a way to see, you know, who or how many people were invested, you know, uh, a year or two ago. And we don't even know what the number is now. We just know that uh, it was over 5,000 on that NOBO list back in early February. All right. Well, Let's go on to another one from Matt. He says, Sean, I'd like to know about the sales of the ice cream and what should be expected to increase in the seven months. So he wants to know, is it getting hotter outside? Yes. Should ice cream sales go up along with that? Sean, what's your take? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, so, so there is some seasonality. Obviously, you know, I think the majority of ice cream seasonality probably comes with people at the beach or, you know, out at the park or whatever. So, you know, in terms of pint sales in the supermarkets, there's still some seasonality there, but that's more of a factor for mature brands. Um, this question, Stuart, by the way, was asked in our uh, Telegram chat group, which I encourage anybody listening to this call, if they want to have this kind of access to us, um, I'm in there probably two or three times a week answering whatever questions I can and other you know, shareholders and people, you know, they can be in there discussing the company. Um, so it's a great way for people to connect, and that's, that's where this question came from. So I already answered it to uh, Matt, but, you know, it's probably a question that's on some other people's minds because he's not the only person that I've ever received that question from. So uh, there is some seasonality, but, again, when, when you're growing at the pace that we are, I mean, we've, we've um, you know, basically almost quadrupled our store count in 12 months. Uh, the sales growth that we're expecting is not necessarily coming from individual consumers that are eating a little bit more ice cream because it's summertime. Uh, the growth that we're expecting to see is coming from adding more stores, new customers finding out about us, word of mouth, and things growing. You know, when, when our gross sales increased from Q4 2019 of 176000 to 281000 in the next quarter, right, that's quarter-over-quarter quarter growth of 60%. It didn't happen because the weather got warmer. It happened because we got into more stores, more people were trying the ice cream, more people were repeat purchasing uh, the ice cream, we believe. So that is where the growth comes from. And when you're this new and this small, that's what's going to happen. So I think, you know, with regard to the type of seasonality that, that, that Matt is asking about, I don't think we're going to see any of that until we have a full and true national footprint uh, where we're kind of available to just about everybody. So two to three years down the road, um, when we're, you know, hopefully every supermarket in the country, then you might see a little bit of what I think he's asking about, which is a spike where you'd see more consumption in the summer, followed by a dip in the fall, because that increase in consumption came from 
just the same customers eating a little bit more ice cream. And I do want to point out that, keep in mind that in the wintertime, people are home more, the nights are longer, you know, we're basically an ice cream that people are eating while they're home, kind of watching TV or whatever. So I don't know, you know, me personally, I don't consume any more or less in the summertime, you know, so I don't know what to expect in terms of that. But if, if we are to see it, it'll be further down the road. All right. Very good. Uh, let's move on to the next question, Sean. Actually, that is our last question. Do you have any closing remarks for us today? Well, yeah. I mean, one thing I forgot to mention, you know, we were talking about the, the question about the shareholders. Uh, that's a huge asset. I mean, having that many shareholders uh, when you are a company that's got a product available in supermarkets and rolling into many more supermarkets, it's, you know, hopefully those people out there, and I know many of them do, are acting as owners in terms of straightening out the pints in the store if they happen to be shopping there, telling friends and family, recommending the ice cream. So, uh, and I do expect that as we get into more stores and as we, as sales grow, I think that that our customer base will grow and our investor base will grow, and those two things will feed each other in a virtuous upwards um, cycle. And so, you know, that being said, I'm really excited about where we're at. You know, the response that we're getting from the pregnancy community is amazing. I think when we launched the new pickle flavor in July, which I know some people weren't sure if that was a, a real thing, we are actually launching that flavor, and we expect a tremendous amount of buzz from the media, from consumers, uh, which is going to create massive new opportunities for us. Those kinds of things definitely move the needle with these supermarket decision makers. So I think we're in a really great place right now, and I just I can't wait to share more updates as we go and as we grow. Well, that's going to conclude our June 3rd, 2020 quarterly investor call for Night Food Holdings Incorporated, ticker symbol NGTF. Sean, thanks so much for your time and also your responses to all of your shareholders' questions. My pleasure, Stuart. Thank you, as always. All right. For Sean Folks, and this is Stuart Smith saying thank you so much for joining in on this call today.